0: God reaches out and, and, and grasps your heart and your mind, recaptures your imagination, and you see the perfect wisdom and the truth, the capital T truth, of this little boy asleep in a cattle trough.
1: Merry Christmas, and welcome to this week's edition of First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd. I'm very pleased to have my friend Michael Card join me in conversation today about the incarnation of Jesus Christ. First Person is here every week at this time, and as always, you can go online to learn more about our guests. For instance, at firstpersoninterview.com this week, you'll find a link to Michael's music and teaching ministry. As a matter of fact, as we near the end of the year, you may want to scroll back through our many guests and listen to any of our past interviews. Just go to firstpersoninterview.com. Well, when the calendar showed this would be our Christmas program, producer Joe Carlson recommended that our mutual friend Mike Carr join me to talk about Jesus. Well, Michael, as you know, first person is usually a person's faith story and God's call on their life. But at Christmas time, I thought it would be appropriate for us to talk about Jesus and the Mm -hmm. life of Jesus, starting with the Incarnation. So thank you for this opportunity. Oh, uh, there's no one I would
0: rather talk about.
1: You know that, Wayne. (laughs) I know that you've spent a lot of time in the Gospels your whole life, yeah. but in particular these last few years, as you've written these books about Luke and Mark and Matthew
0: and so on. So yeah.
1: let's uh, let's talk about Jesus today.
0: Sure. Well, uh, if for a for a road map, I mean, if if we're going to work through the Gospels and then the Nativity, and we start with John one. You know, where we have the Incarnation. John John doesn't give us uh, the Nativity. He knows we know those passages. Uh, from the synoptic. So John uh, gives us the, the incarnation in chapter one, one one. you know, in the next uh, three or four verses. Should we read them? Yeah, why
1: don't you read them? Okay. Uh, John 1-1, starting there, "...in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men." The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it.
0: Yeah, that's, that's the perfect uh, preface, isn't it, to, uh, mm. to the nativity of Jesus. This light that comes into the world, uh, this light through whom God made the world, and uh, the, the bizarre circumstance that uh, he was not recognized by and large. But I think what's unique about both Matthew and Luke, uh, they, they tell us about two groups, uh, the, 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 shepherds in Luke and, and the wise men in Matthew who actually do, uh, experience, you know, some revelation and, and they have a, some idea of who this little baby is. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, this phrase in the beginning, I mean, that's, that's literally in the beginning.
0: That goes way back. Sure. I mean, it, it echoes the, the, the opening statement of Genesis is, you know, Bereshith in the beginning. So I think John is aware that uh, he is he's the other the other end of the bookend of 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 the holy scriptures. We begin with a story, you know, of creation, and then uh, sort of the climax is when this person who we know is Jesus, through whom God created all things, uh, comes into the world. And then again, the 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 disconnect there that even though he was he created the world, uh, the world. The creation didn't recognize him, and uh, and that's very consistent, isn't it, with Luke? I mean, it's a perfect uh, connection over to Luke uh, and the story of this little impoverished baby, you know, who sleeps uh, wrapped up in rags and and is lying in a
1: cattle trough. It just impresses me, even as I hear myself read those verses, that if
0: this is all we had, mm. that would be enough, wouldn't it? I, I think so. I mean, uh, I think that what's unique about John is he. He has uh, been preaching and teaching uh, the, the content of his gospel for 60 or 70 years. I mean, he's a very old man, you know, perhaps even 100 years old when he writes. And uh, unlike Mark, who is, a, you know, a relatively young man and who is is taking down the story from, from Peter, uh, John has taught these things and, and, and thought about these things and preached them. And so... Uh, uh, I don't know, it's it's just so wonderfully woven together and integrated. And again, he's very, I think, very aware. Uh, well, 92% of the Gospel of John is unique. He's very aware of the content of uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And and on purpose, uh, very deliberately, um, uh, you know, supplements their stories. So if they're going to talk about shepherds and a star and wise men, and all the rest, then John is going to uh, do all he can to fill in the story, and that's certainly what he does with the incarnation. Yeah, of course we have what we need in those first verses,
1: but later he says, uh, "The word, this word, became flesh, yeah. and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory." That, that is really the good news.
0: Yes, and that that's that's what happens uh, with the incarnation. This this uh, eternal word through whom God, you know, the active living word of God. Through whom God created everything, has become a person, uh, and and that's that's what we're celebrating, this uh, yeah. impossible event of God. I know,
1: uh, and then uh, we've got uh, the story of John interwoven here, John the Baptist, with him, and uh, boy, what a rich passage though to think about at Christmas time.
0: Yes, um, and John, in the Gospel of John, one of the, one of the problems that he was dealing with in his community was that there were people that were, that were worshiping John the Baptist as the Messiah. And so in the opening chapters of the Gospel of John, you hear through John's own mouth, uh, repeatedly, again and again and again, he says, I'm not the prophet. I'm not the Christ. I'm not, you know, him. And they say, well, give us an answer. Who are you? Well, I'm just a voice crying in the wilderness. So this was an answer to what was going on. Yeah, John is always well. All, all of the gospel writers are, in, are, are interacting with uh, what's going on in their in in their worlds. Uh, you know, they've all got a context that they're writing into. Mark is writing into the context of the first persecution after the fire in Rome. Um, uh, Matthew, uh, and I'm just finishing Matthew right now. Matthew is writing into. Uh, the, the 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 point in time right around just before just after seventy a d when when the Jewish Christians are going to be kicked out of the synagogue um, so they they've all got their their context
1: Michael we're not going to take time for your music today unfortunately oh, that's, but that's fine <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I know that this has inspired you to write some songs. What are a couple of titles that uh, come to mind that you've written from from just what we've talked about thus far?
0: well I, I put this uh this prologue uh to john uh to music uh sort of a gregorian uh chant uh which which to me was the the style that felt most appropriate uh sort of a mysterious um you know um not pretending to have the answers or, or to have squeezed this this passage dry but uh it's just you know in the beginning it was a word and the word was with God and the word was God. Uh, that that uh, it's a wonderful chant.
1: Well, as we think about Jesus at Christmas, where else would you like to take us in Scripture?
0: Well, the the, the next logical step is is to look at Luke, and uh, okay, Luke uh, has he's he's very interested also in John the Baptist. By the way, uh, Luke tells a, a in parallel form. The, the the promise of John and the promise of Jesus, then, and the nativity of John, and then the, the nativity of Jesus. Um, they're both miraculous births. Uh, John's parents are elderly, you know, but they, I mean, they still make, you know, have the baby the, the old fashioned way, so to speak. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but Mary's birth is a virgin birth. And so Jesus, certainly his birth is more miraculous. But uh, yeah, starting in, in chapter two is where, where Luke, uh, picks up the story. And Luke has a different, uh, point of view. We know that Luke was a companion of Paul. We know that Luke was a doctor. And you know from, from being with me, uh, Wayne, that I saw, I'm also convinced that Luke was a slave. And yeah. be, because he, I think, came from a, a very marginalized group, um, he's very interested in the poverty of Jesus. Only, only Luke gives us, you know, the, the little baby wrapped in rags, the, the sign that the, that the shepherds were given and uh, and this is something that's unusual sometimes people say oh swaddling clothes oh you know in in Judaism in first century they they all swaddled their babies and so i say no that's not that's not it at all it's 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 something out of the ordinary it's the it's a sign there's there are no other babies in 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 uh, in Bethlehem that are wrapped up in rags and that are lying in uh, in a feeding trough the, the the shepherds don't seem to be put off by this at all because, of course, they live at the level of poverty, too. They are very uh, marginalized
1: people. And Luke is very much in tune with those. I'm just looking as you're talking at a note in the Bible I'm using, a side note, that quotes that hymn from John Wesley, Come, thou long-expected Jesus, mm. born to set thy people free from our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart, and that's from "Come Thou Long Expected Jesus." Wow!
0: Yeah, and you know, both even even though the two events are, are a year and a half to two years apart, uh, both the shepherds and the wise men, I think, there's a reference to the fact that they're overjoyed. There's a measure of joy and, and amazement and excitement, uh, which which in and of itself is is. Uh, I think tells a lot because I mean it's just a baby. I mean I mean, how many babies are there? There are babies everywhere, but uh but this baby is uh is unlike anything uh they've ever seen before. The the circumstances of his birth. Uh, I mean how many children have their birth announced by uh thousands of angels who illuminate the sky. And All we uh, have his Facebook now, but uh <laughs> yeah. <had> the angels. <laughs> Well, and 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 again, uh, the, this this baby who is a king, who's who is clearly the son of David, who's born in David's town, Bethlehem. Uh, this king is still wrapped up in rags and lying in this trough, and uh, and the, the the shepherds who are, um, they're they're very uh, much second rate people in, in in Israel in this day, which doesn't make sense. You would think that because David was a shepherd, they would honor shepherds, but they didn't. Shepherds uh, were sort of looked upon almost as unclean because they were always with the sheep. They, they, they couldn't go through all of the uh, um, particulars of, of maintaining you know, that sort of kosher uh, lifestyle. We're just getting started. We'll continue to explore the
1: Gospels on this Christmas edition of First Person. Stay tuned. Next time on First Person, you'll hear from the director of the Urbana Student Missions Conference, Tom Lynn.
0: The prayer of my heart is that students would respond to this wonderful invitation from the Lord to join in on His mission. Uh, We hope for thousands of decisions of students to commit long-term to global missions.
1: More about InterVarsity Christian Fellowship's Urbana Student Missions Convention next time on First Person. My guest on First Person today is my friend Michael Card, and uh, Michael has been such a a good friend and wonderful Bible teacher through the years, both through his music and his teaching, that I thought it'd be appropriate here at Christmas time to ask him to join us on First Person, and let's focus on the person of Jesus Christ. And Mike, I sure appreciate your help in doing that today. We we left off in Luke a few moments ago. I don't know if you want to pick it up there, but I, I have something I want to bring up in Luke when whenever it's time. Sure, go. Yeah, you want to talk about Simeon? Go ahead. I want to talk about Simeon because, of course, this is another passage that has inspired you to write music. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just love this story of Simeon. Maybe it's because I'm I'm getting to be an old man now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I, I did totally identify with you. Yeah. <laughs> A man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And moved by the Spirit... He went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. That always just grabs me.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, and that's his, that's his swan swan song, right? He knows he's going to die. Yeah. And uh, I I always thought of Simeon Wayne as the uh, as the dividing line between between the Old Testament and the, and the New Testament, between the old orthodoxy. You know, Luke mentions that he's a righteous man, and he's a devout man. You know, that's Judaism in a nutshell. It's, he's the dividing line between the old orthodoxy and the new reality, and um. It, uh, in, in, in order to, to, to demonstrate your faith in the Old Testament, you wait for God to answer his promise, right? In, in the New Testament, in order to show your faith, you, you follow Jesus. And Simeon is right on the dividing line. He'd been given this promise that he wouldn't die until he'd seen the Messiah. And then he goes into the temple courts. Now, and this, the, the temple area was 35 acres. It was a huge area. This uh, courtyard outside the temple, and uh, the fact that they even found each other in, in and of itself is amazing. <laughs> but uh, Joseph and Mary come, and and I guess the spirit whispers to Simeon that okay, this is the one you've been longing for. This is the one you've been you've been waiting for. So uh, that's that's the dividing line because from now on, yeah. it's not a matter of waiting; it's a matter of following. And, uh and Simeon and and just the, that we have the detail that he holds Jesus in his arms and yeah, sings, picture that oh gosh sings this beautiful little song that it's known as the nunc dementis you know let your servant depart in peace uh let your slave depart in peace because his identity is is that of a slave- mm-hmm.
1: every new parent wants their child to be you know picked up and mm-hmm. cuddled and you know fawned over but and and here it says the child's father and mother marvelled at what was said about him. It goes beyond just coddling, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, and well, you know, we I call Luke Luke's the Gospel of Amazement. Everyone who is sort of in and around this 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 energy field of Jesus, uh, they are amazed. And uh, and and then you know, not only Simeon but but Anna, who is another uh, devout yeah. woman, uh, and that that shows Luke's concern for women. Uh, yeah. He only only Luke tells us about Anna and she comes and she's 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 part of that exchange, too. I think she's part of that old world looking over into the new world. And this little baby represents that, you know, that that old world, that old orthodoxy. You know, Jesus says, I haven't come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill it. It's a new reality. And that that new reality at this point is a little, you know, seven, seven day old baby boy.
1: Well, we could keep going in Luke, but uh, Matthew is very fresh on your mind because yes. you you are have you finished the Matthew book yet? I'm editing
0: it right now. Take us to Matthew. Matthew's got a different uh agenda, right? He's got a different um uh situation he's dealing with. And so, uh he he has these these magi. That's what's unique about his story. These uh these these men from Persia uh who come announcing uh, that this king has been born then they've come to look for him and of course this is Herod's worst nightmare uh, we don't we don't understand enough about Herod we know an awful lot about Herod he was in the last year or two of his reign he didn't live much longer he had uh um uh, we think uh, stomach cancer he had syphilis he was a um um just a wreck of a person he'd already killed his sons he'd already killed his wife he'd already killed his mother-in-law and his biggest fear was another, you know, another king. And here come these people from the east. And that's, that's where he was always afraid. You know, he, he defended his eastern borders with all sorts of fortresses. Here come these, um, magi. And, and I'm convinced, even though I have absolutely no reason to be convinced, but I'm convinced, Wayne, that they, they had Persian cavalry with them. This isn't three guys. This is, <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is a big entourage. You don't strike out with just three men on camels and no. You're right. There had to be a. You had to be an entourage, right? Them. Not not in this day and age. And this is an official type delegation. And the other thing that always strikes me about the wise men, Wayne, is that these were were men who were known to possess, you know, all the wisdom of the world. They were familiar with the scriptures. They were familiar with all sorts of other. World, you know, world religions and that sort of thing. The Jews had been exiled, you know, in Babylon. And so that they had brought the scriptures with them. Daniel, you know, actually Daniel was a, was described as a magi. So he was part of this group, elite group. And, and though they had all this wisdom, it strikes me that there, there must have still been something that was, that, that was uh, empty or that was lacking in their understanding. And so that they would come, you know, two and a half, Years, two years, two and a half years on this journey to find this little baby. And when they find him, they, they worship him, which to me says they found what they were looking for. They fell down and they worshiped this little baby. I mean, at this point Jesus is, is a toddler and they're living in a house, but he's still just a you know, practically a little child. And these great men, you know, it's like it would be like the Supreme Court or something, uh bowing down before some little some little, you know, runny-nosed toddler. And um, and, and it's another uh, just amazing uh, disconnect. I mean, we've got angels speaking to people in dreams, and we've got stars guiding people. And the wise men, unlike the shepherds who come in poverty, the wise men come and they give him gold. So it's sort of the other side, these Gentiles. Yeah, we
1: have both ends of the spectrum there. I, I, I like that thought a lot. Yeah. I, I think of it in terms of everything – that the world is all the wisdom the world can accumulate comes in the form of these men and yes. bows before this baby. Absolutely, that's remarkable. They recognize
0: yeah. in this little wordless, or maybe he's starting to talk. Maybe he's a, if he's two, maybe he's starting to, you know, babble a little bit. But um, they 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 found in him all that they were looking for. I think that's the point. Boy, that'll preach, won't it? Yeah, yeah absolutely.
1: <laughs> all right, we have time for uh, one more one more incarnation time thought from Michael Card here today.
0: Okay, And, Wayne, it, it strikes me that um, if, if the wise men found in Jesus uh, w- this little wordless child, everything that they were looking for, uh, then those of us today who are genuinely looking, uh, who, who recognize that there is this God-shaped void that, you know, as the book of Ecclesiastes says, God has placed eternity in our hearts. There's this eternally big place. And when we become aware of that and that need... And we're looking, uh, honestly, uh, I, I think Christmas is the time when we, we realize, th- I mean, this is crazy, but it's also, <laughs> this is the person I've been looking for, uh, my connectedness to, uh, to God, uh, my, my inability to be good enough. Uh, or, to make God like me, or whatever sort of foolishness you know we 're caught up in, mm-hmm. all of that is addressed in this little boy, this little infant wrapped in rags, who comes knowing that he is going to die come you know he 's born so that he can die and uh and and not simply die but to die for us, so that we can have that relationship with the Father, uh, all those things that the that the wise men and the shepherds and everyone else who was in this. Uh, this uh, field, this area around Jesus, uh, they all seem to have understood. Simeon, Anna, Joseph, Mary, all of them, they seem to understand and to and to intuit that He was all that they'd been looking for. And I think the, those of you that are listening, and the, especially those for you, of you for whom Christmas is just a rotten time of year, and for a lot of us it is, yeah. I'm I, I'm I'm just I want to tell you that. Um, He's come for you. I mean, he came so that, so you could have a a relationship with the Father. He, he came so that you wouldn't have to be burdened by guilt or fear or anger or loneliness. Uh, His, his other, I mean, his other incarnation name is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the one who's, who's come to be with us and who will never leave us and who will never forsake us. And that's what we're celebrating. That's what, why Christmas is this time of deep, deep joy.
1: It's unbelievably believable I guess that would be one way to put it
0: yeah it really I mean from one point of view it really is crazy and it, it sometimes it seems crazier and crazier the older I get but but um, but then again God reaches out and, and and grasps your heart and your mind recaptures your imagination and you see the the, the perfect wisdom and uh, the truth the capital T truth of this little boy asleep in a cattle trough.
1: I'm so pleased that Michael Card joined me today in conversation about Jesus. Known for his music and teaching, Mike has been a good friend for many years, and I always enjoy hearing him both sing and teach the Bible. For more about Michael Card, visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com. You'll find a link there to his website. Be sure to check into his Biblical Imagination Conferences, which are held around the country, as well as his concerts. Again, go to firstpersoninterview.com for more. You'll also find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash first person interview. Next week, our last program of the year, and we'll talk with Tom Lynn, the director of the Urbana Student Missions Conference, underway in St. Louis next week. Now, on behalf of my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. From Our Families to Yours, thanks for listening today, and Merry Christmas. Join us next week for First Person.